Welcome to Brand New Nation with your hosts, Danny and Chris. Danny helps personal brands make thousands of dollars selling their online courses at Udemy. Chris is owner of ChrisDidIt.com and has created online homes for powerhouse women, including Grammy-winning artist Chrisette Michelle. Each week, Danny and Chris speak with YouTubers, bloggers, and entrepreneurs about how they're getting paid to pursue their passions and to help you create your personal roadmap to do what you love for a living and thrive. Are you ready to get brand new? Let's listen in on Danny and Chris now. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandy Nation. This is part two of our two-part interview with the amazing and hilarious Ari Fitz of MTV's Real World Explosion. That's right. And if you missed part one, Ari shared her three brand new moments that got her on this path to building a great personal brand. She also shared in the Moolah Scoop how much she makes modeling as a personality, doing filmmaking, and all other kinds of stuff. So if you haven't tuned in to part one, Stop right now, go download the episode, and give it a listen. Yep, and for all those of you guys joining us for part two, Ari's actually going to take us step-by-step step on how she developed her personal brand, which helped her get casted on MTV's Real World. So stay tuned. Should we get back into the call? Let's go. So Ari, in part one, you shared so much with us about your personal journey, so in this part, We'll be diving into how you developed your personal brand. I mean, you have, like, an amazing, amazing personal brand, and it clearly <laughs> led to you getting casted on MTV's Real, MTV's Real World Explosion, even though you say you auditioned as a joke. But so apparently your brand is strong enough to get you, to, uh, to get you chosen despite that. So um, just start out by telling us, like, how would you describe your personal brand? Yeah. Man, okay, so the funny thing about that is my personal brand, and I say that in quotes because I just feel like I've had a love-hate relationship with even personal branding in general at this point. Mm. But my personal brand ha- um, is, and actually, I'll, I'll, I'll address that. My personal brand, I put that in quotes. I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, I put it in quotes because I, my love-hate relationship with personal branding is that, like, the moment I stopped actually trying to like brand myself and like say explicitly I am this is the moment I actually figured out who the hell I am like who the hell I want to represent Mm. so it's just like it took me kind of like Jesus take the wheel it took me like just kind of like letting go (laughs) I am so goofy I just like that um really letting me I like got so amped about that Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> I say that all the time. So I was just like, yes, I totally get it. Yes. <laughs> the meme was in my head and everything. Um, that is definitely a hilarious, the most hilarious statement. Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take the wheel. But it took me really just letting, letting the wheel be taken over for me to figure out. <laughs> figure out um, the, the person that I am, but internally, but also the person that I want people to view me as. And I'd say that that person is now, and I'll say this over and over again, I am a person who's comfortably myself, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. And I think that there's a lot wrapped up in there. There's, you know, I 
dress how I want depending on how I woke up that morning, you know? I don't care if you see me as, there's a lot on the show talking about, like, the way that I dress and style and fashion is really important to me, especially as a gay woman who lives in a community where if I were to wear sneakers one day, I attract a completely different person than if I wore heels one day. Like, there's a lot wrapped into dressing within the gay queer community. And so, um, like, I think being comfortably myself, even if it makes other people uncomfortable, is saying, I will wear whatever the hell I want to, and however you feel about it is your problem, right? <laughs> that is not mm-hmm. my problem to digest or deal with, whatever, like that. It's, it's, it, I'm just going to be me. However you feel about that, is, you're just going to have to deal with it. And so that has made its way into the work that I do, deciding that I'm going to quit tech and decide, you know, just work as a model um, and make horror films. Like, I don't care if no one's ever really done this before. I don't care if, you know, I, I'm jumping through hoops and I'm not going to film school and going through the path that people have carved out. That's not who I am. The person that I am is comfortably you know, making decisions and being myself, even if it's not the way that people want me to do it. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say that that's my brand, and um, it, it it's why sometimes I don't do my hair. It's why sometimes I, you know, like I'll show up to a booking. A lot of models show up to bookings, and there's kind of like a model uniform. It's, you know, either leggings or really tight skinnies, and you'll have a pair of heels in case they want you to walk, and you'll wear, like, spaghetti strap kind of tank. I do not in any way show up like that. <laughs> I, and typically your hair is supposed to be cut up in the ponytail and stuff. Not at all. Not even. I've never showed up to a casting like that. I show up in whatever I'm wearing that day. And I get casted. And I get booked. And I talk to people. And, like, you know, and I engage with people. And they want to book me because there's more... I, I guess because they want whatever I have, whatever swag I have for that day, they want that added to their campaign because it makes them look cool. So I don't know. I think I think that that's just it's, I'm starting to really revel in being this person and and being just like me. And I think people are really starting to like love it and, and buy into it. So yeah, yeah. When when you talk about you know the things you actually wear. Um, going back to the show, I remember there was a discussion between you and your ex on, you know, how you dress and when you dress more on the androgynous side versus being more feminine, you know, how you feel about that and the fact that you are more comfortable with the more androgynous look. Um, did you think about that when you're on the show? Like, okay, I want to be perceived a certain way when I'm filmed, so maybe I should wear this rather than this. Or what was the, the thought process in that? Yeah, yeah, no, and actually talk about kind of um there's there's a real story here where like I had like a personal brand like weird moment because there was a moment in the house where I mean I hey out in Oakland I like people know that I'm like whatever I'm wearing I'm gonna I'm just gonna wear it like I'm gonna wear the hell out of whatever I'm wearing and I'm gonna feel confident and comfortable in it and people like that people love the way that I dress here um here in Oakland and here in the Bay and so when I got into the house there was a bit of like for some reason anxiety that like took over me and Mm. um 
you know, I, I had, like, you know, I had, like, my new sneakers, I had my loafers, I had, like, all this cool swag guy shit that I really, really wanted to wear. And every time, I wouldn't do it. Like, for the first, like, I, I want to say, like, the first three weeks. Um, and I, I pushed I, far, far more on, like, the feminine side, even at times when it made me uncomfortable. So talking about, like, a serious, like, personal branding, like, fail, or maybe not fail, like, from the first, but, like, uh, it was just really an anxious, like, uncomfortable, like, nervous moment for me because in many ways I just wanted to be perceived as an attractive woman. And when you, when I was reading things, and woman is the operative word there, when I was reading things while I was living in the house about people not being sure what, of whether or not the black cast member was or the, the black person on the house, even though there's half black person, whatever, there's a lot of stuff online about whether or not I was a woman or not. Um, a lot of people thought, well, if it is a woman, then it's, you know, it's a trans woman or trans man or all this stuff. And I got really nervous. Right? And it's, mm. the nervousness came from not thinking that there was anything wrong with being considered trans or whatever. In fact, sometimes in Oakland, I like when people, like, they, they're not sure whether or not I'm a boy or a girl. I was like, yo, I, I actually did a good job this day. Like, it's fun. It's, it's, <laughs> I had fun with it, you know. You rock the beanie and you're like, I don't know, that's a sexy dude or a girl, but I'm into it. Like, I had fun with it. Um, but when I was reading that stuff online, I got nervous because it was, kind of undid a lot of the work that I've done to own my identity online. Like, my personal brand is important to me, and the way that I'm perceived online is very important to me. Um, It it impacts the way that I work. It impacts the bookings that I get. It impacts a lot of things. And so for the Internet to kind of decide that I'm trans without me having an opportunity because I'm living in the house, so I can't really – go on certain sites and stuff, without me having the opportunity to go and clarify my identity and clarify my personal brand really upset me. And it made me want to, you know, put aside those swag out like denim or like all those like cool tomboyish things that I put together and that I styled before I got into the house. Um, mm-hmm. it, it made me not want to wear those things um, just because I lost control of my brand online. And it was it was upsetting. And so having that conversation with Ashley, as we're walking home, like, you know, you're like, oh, I can't believe that you're wearing all these, like, tomboyish stuff. That was simply because I reached a moment where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. So what if the Internet isn't sure about my identity? So what if the Internet, like, decides that, like, I'm, I'm this and I'm that? Let the Internet talk because I am, like I said, comfortably myself, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. And so that conversation with Ashley was right when I had finally, finally, it was just like, no, I'm going to rock this outfit. Mind you, that outfit outfit was whack. I'm I'm really upset that that's what I was wearing when I was having a conversation. I was 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 a sour outfit. Really though, really though, bitch. Like that's what you I don't. I don't remember. I, I didn't. I don't remember it either. Was, so what was it? It was yeah. sad. No one, please be listening to this. Can you please not Google that? Go on my YouTube channel and see what I'm really styling because that was really, really embarrassing. Anyway, anyway, side note, side note. Um, 
that that conversation was right when I just decided that I really did want to stick with me, and I am tomboyish. Like I love I love being a little androgynous. I love playing with gender. I love rocking menswear. I I've been fascinated with menswear before I came out. Like I've always just really loved menswear, and I I think that the show caught me at a moment where I. I just, I guess I just wasn't confident in my ability to really just feel sexy. And I've been, I felt so, I've always felt really, really sexy in menswear. And I think that seeing all that stuff on the internet just really made me feel uncomfortable. So, yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay. So I really want to break down what steps you took to develop your personal brand. I know you talked about Jesus actually taking the wheel, being like, you know, whatever happens, <laughs> that it automatically develops. But besides calling on a higher power, what are there any specific steps that you actually <laughs> – are there any steps that you actually took either online or, you know, in the real world, not, oh. not the show? in real life, I should say, um, <laughs> that you took to develop your personal brand? Yeah, it's, and that's a great question. So prior to consulting with Jesus himself, I um, – <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. This is real. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, he, he took a little bit. But so my – I think my – my path is just like a lot. I, I did a lot of stuff, and I think that's why I needed to just kind of stop. Is um, before everything, before I kind of like settled on like who I am and being comfortable with who I am, I would always kind of like identify like, okay, well, this is the target audience that like I'm going to speak to, and these are the reasons why they're going to love me. And I, like I did a lot of like applying like you know business school to the person that I am. And I think a lot of that's really really useful. It's helpful because when you're doing the kind of work that I'm doing where you make money as a personality and you get booked for a variety of things. You get booked for MTV stuff. You get booked for, uh, you know, posting things. Or you're just like you're building an audience and ad revenue on YouTube. You are a personality and your brand, is, your business is you as a person. So it is good for you to apply business school to your personal brand. But I'd say, like, I think when I was, like, trying to get to, like, when I was trying to, like, niche down a little too much and, like, carving out specifically, like, these are the audiences that I speak to, that's when it started to feel really uncomfortable because I am a lot of things. I'm so many things. Like, I, like, we could get into, like, the actual, like, identity markers. Like, I'm a queer black woman who is college educated who blah 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 and I could say well all of those little things are individual things that I cater to um or and I feel like that like fragmented my audience a little bit too much so that was the first step is like I did that and I realized that that was not the right approach to like kind of identify the audience um so then I turned it on myself and I was just kind of like well why don't I just talk about the content that I want to create. Like, what kinds of stories do I want to tell? And in doing that, that kind of, like, really helped me. Um, 
So, like, I, I realize, you know, like, oh, I'm a horror director or, oh, I want to talk about, like, how to kiss, lesbian edition, or I want to, like, create all these different things. And that helped because it made it a little bit more open because, you know, I'm checking my, I'm checking, I'm checking my search results right now, and there are a lot of people who are trying to find out what how to kiss looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, but still, that wasn't that, – even that wasn't the right approach because – um, and just kind of like figuring out the content, I um, I'm still kind of like fragmenting my audiences. Like even on my YouTube channel right now, I'm like, well, if I want to do a style video, will that like, will that I guess um, isolate certain people who are there for like all of my funny stuff? Like that still puts me in a weird position. So focusing on the content didn't help me. And then finally, I did hit the like. You just take the wheel. And I was just like, I'm just going to put stuff out there and share it as far as possible, and then people will get it. And it's funny that, like, people got it. People just, like, they're like, oh, it's just Ari. Like, she did that video that time. She did, like, this video that time. It's just Ari. And I think that that's, that's opened me up so much more because now I can do, like, weird random videos and then turn around and do a style video and, you know, earn ad revenue across all of it and earn earn audiences across all of it because I think when you're personal branding, you think you have to, like, really, really spell out to your audience, like, this is, this is who I am, get me, get me, get me, get me. But people aren't stupid. People know, like, this video I'm going to like. This video, looking at the thumbnail and the title, I'm not going to like, so I'm not going to unsubscri- unsubscribe. I'm just going to only watch these kinds of videos. You just don't. I, I think the the issue I've always had is like I felt like I had to really spell out for my audience like who I am. But my audience is smart enough to know, hey, this I like this girl, and the stuff that she produces, I'll pick and choose. I'll pick and choose from. So yeah, that, that's kind of a long very long-winded way to say, like, my Jesus Take the Wheel was I stopped trying to, like, spoon-feed my audience, and I let them pick the things that they wanted to see from me. And even, mm. I mean, even, like, doing the call and response and saying, like, hey, guys, like, I'm, go- I'm going to, I'm going first thing. Do you guys want to see the stuff that I've picked? And seeing, you know, like, the number of retweets and the number of, like, favorites and responses and stuff, that helps me figure out what my audience wants from me. But it's not... I guess it's not so much me sitting in my room with a whiteboard saying, like, this is who I am to the world, and I'm going to go and tell them about it now. Now it's like, no, it's just me. Take it, leave it, tell me what you want, and I'll create more of that. Right. I'm always interested in in learning when people sort of realize that they have a personal brand to create or, like, you know, develop in some way. And when was that for you? When would you say that? it sort of came about in your mind that I got to be really responsible about this. Oh man, that's a really, really good question. Um, I mean, I'd say it was in between ventures. Um, like when I was first starting and I, I talked a little bit about this, like I, when I first started my first ever like company, um, it was this um, trend forecasting thing and I spent a lot of time kind of searching for information on it. And every time I would go and I'd search, I'd pull up someone's blog, and then I end up, like, in many ways, kind of discovering their personal brand. 
And, like, in doing all of that research, when I was starting my first ever business, I was like, wow, these people are really, really cool. Like, what makes them cool? Like, maybe I should start a blog. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should, like, you know, be on Twitter. And, and then reading all of – not reading it, like, looking at all of that information made me start to really be like, well, in order for me to build a business, I need to, like, put myself out there. And if I'm going to put myself out there, people are going to respond to my email and they're going to want to look me up. And so I want what they look up to actually be in some ways helpful in me getting whatever I want out of them. I remember actually I, I told Danielle this um, probably that maybe the first year that I met you, or maybe even the first time that I met you within the first year mm-hmm. ever, um, that I wanted to be the first ever REL that was on the search results for REL. <laughs> and, oh yeah. You know, it was like a weird, like empty ambition, but I, I think that that was just kind of like me realizing that there's power in um putting yourself as you know, the the front of your business. There's power in you living and eating your business's brand and being the, the driving personal force behind it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, long-winded answers, which I'm really, really good for. But um, I'd say in between ventures, I realized that there's power in um, there's power in standing behind your search results and, um, mm-hmm. and, and really making sure that whatever is served up is favorable and will help you get to wherever you need to go, especially when you're running an actual company. Wow. And I wanted to, because you, it's interesting, you talked about how purposeful you tried to be in the beginning and, you know, packaging your brand. And then it it just, you let it sort of organically happen. Um, But I think you are such a great, you're definitely a great storyteller. um, And you just kind of summarize your belief systems uh, very well. So, I mean, something you've repeated is, you know, you like, you're comfortable yourself, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. And I know that, and, and that ties into kind of your tribe of misfits. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about your misfits who are, you know, your followers? I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, you've made it where you have a name for your, for your followers, you know, like we <laughs> in the Navy, like mm-hmm. you're, so you have the misfits. Um, so yeah, just talk a little bit about your, like your peeps. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Actually, those are the kind of stories that I get most excited about. Um, so the Misfits, they, A, they named themselves. So let me just point out that, um, ah, nice. yeah, I, I was like using the hashtag, hashtag Fitz fans or something really, really corny like that. Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> that. I remember that. <laughs> it was sad and hey, embarrassing. Yeah. But also, I feel like one thing when you're you're naming your fan base, let's make sure that it's something that they want to use themselves. And hashtag Fitz fans is not something that I'd want to use if I was a Fitz fan. And so um, there are a few things that I did. A, during the show, we would always do live tweeting during the show, and um, I got known as, like, kind of the, the most, like, snarky tweeter out of all of the other, like, real-world work. And so MTV was constantly retweeting me, and that helped me kind of build this fan base of people who just really liked my snarkiness on, online. And um, so that's, that's what kind of started this, um, this, this fan base of people who were really just 
super engaged with everything that I tweeted. Like, even from, like, the weird Drake stuff that I tweet in the middle of the night when I'm drunk, they're like, you're all looking at it. <laughs> yes, I stuff tweet in the middle of the night, and most of it's Drake mm-hmm. lyrics, whatever. Um, <laughs> We've all done it. We've all done it. We've all done it. We've all done it. No new friends. Anyway, um, so I missed that. They they started to notice and they started to talk amongst each other about the weird stuff that I would post, or even the snarky stuff that I would post, and then about my YouTube videos. And I started to notice that like they would even search my my Twitter handle. They would search for the Twitter handle to find other people that were tweeting me. And so, but like it kind of the community just kind of started without me doing a thing, without me doing a damn thing outside of tweeting weird Drake tweets in the middle of the night and <laughs> posting YouTube videos about how to kiss. And so um, after the community kind of like started to talk amongst themselves, um, I I just I was like, yo, I'm still here. I want to talk to you guys too. <laughs> so I was like, yo, these are actually like really cool people. And while this was happening, I was getting closer and closer with them. Like I started to know their names. I started, we even like created like little mini kick groups and um, on, on Kick where I would, like, start texting them and stuff, and they would start to send me, like, their stories. And their stories were freaking awesome. Like, they're, um, Bree, Bree is awesome, and, and he had a similar story to mine where he just loved dressing up as a woman, and um, he, he actually liked being mistaken as, as a woman. And, like, he would just write all these stories, and it was just really, really cool that my – my story on TV, on, on the show, was so similar to his, but we were living in these two completely different worlds. You know, like here in the Bay Area, I could do stuff like that, and people wouldn't really trip. Back home, where he is, not the case, you know? So mm-hmm. it was just awesome. I would get all these stories. People would tell me, like, people would send you their scripts. If they're writing, like, they're into, like, horror film like I am, they would send me their scripts, and I'd read it, and we'd geek out on it. It was just cool. And sooner but later, sooner but later, really? Sooner? <laughs> Very quickly. How about that? That feels better. Um, very quickly. Um, the, the, the misfits kind of, um, told me that they, they told, they, they sent me hashtag the misfits in the email with like no, with no body or anything. It was just hashtag the misfits. And, um, I was like, yeah, that's it. Like that's exactly what it is. Like that's who we are. And, um, right. so then I started thinking more and more about like, well, how do we, how do we, like, you know, now this is where I apply, like, my business mind to it. I'm like, okay, well, it's one thing to just have a name and us talk to each other on Twitter. Like, how do we actually, like, create something out of this? Like, how do we, like, build, like, I don't know, something bigger than ourselves out of this? And and that's where I, like, decided I would apply my mantra to the misfits. And, and I, you know, I was talking about it. I was like, yo, well, I myself as someone who's comfortably myself even if it makes other people uncomfortable and I feel like that part of who I am is why you guys are here is why you guys basically why you guys fuck with me (laughs) and so um, and and, and that's when I just kind of like yo the misfits are people who are comfortably themselves even if it makes other people uncomfortable and from then on I started to get more and more stories I started to hear about how you know girl, this awesome misfit, she, like, dyed her hair in a variety of colors and almost got kicked out of school because of it, but she just kept her hair like that because it was, like, something that was really true and real to herself, 
And it's just like these, those stories are really, really like making me feel some type of way. Because, like, I, I'm sorry, I just started singing the song. Some type of way when you said that. I just, was that just me? Okay, it was just me. Oh, man. Hey, it's real suckery on this podcast right now. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, like, the misfits really, really make me feel like, no matter, like, if I get two views or if I get 12,000 views on a video, it doesn't matter because, like, I'm talking finally to the right group of people, and they get me, and I get them, and, like, it's it really is, like, it's a really, really awesome feeling to know that I have a group of friends, really, that are passionate about the kind of stories that I'm interested in telling, and they're engaged, and they they just want more and more, and so... Fuck it, I'm gonna give it to him. Um, that's why I'm touring the country. That's why I am so interested in meeting these people and telling their stories and, and putting those stories online because there isn't. I haven't seen a lot of content around, you know, like tomboys or around just like just the kind of stories that I see and I hear every day. But like, in, oh no, I'm not say that. But like, networks are afraid, too afraid to like put out there. Hey, Brand New Nation. As you know, Chris and I are all about helping you get brand new. And one of the ways I stay on top of myself to make sure I'm always getting better and learning new things is audible.com. At audible.com, you get a monthly subscription and every month you get a credit that you can use to redeem for any audiobook in the library. So far, I've listened to Fascinate by Sally Hogshead, which is really good. You should definitely give it a listen. Part of Getting Things Done, The Game, the Way of the Superior Man, The Desire Map, uh, it goes on and on. I'm currently listening to uh, one by Zig Ziglar. So I've definitely upped my reading game on audible.com, and I suggest you check it out too. So head over to brandnewnation.com forward slash audible, and that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, and get your free trial today. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, say, like, when you were talking about um, your personal brand and kind of in the beginning feeling the pressure to narrow it down to something very specific, um, but you realized, hey, I'm multidimensional, you know, I have all these things going on in my life. And so I love that you named your channel uh, The Rando um, on YouTube. And, and, um, and so, you know, you just talked about some of the different, you know, uh, pieces of content that you'll be putting on, that you put on your channel. Can you share, because I'm looking at it right now, and you have a How to Kiss video, then there's a kid play drunk challenge. Then you have your thug life <laughs> series. I mean, how is this perfect for the misfits? Uh, how is it perfect for, you know, reflecting who Ari is? What kind of content yeah. have you been putting out there? Yeah, and that's an awesome question because right now my I'm just incubating a whole bunch of different ideas and just really throwing it against the wall and seeing what people are into. So there are a variety of, like, little mini-series that I'm going to stop doing and things that I'm going to start doing. Um, but so far, I've experimented with a lot of stuff. Like, I um, – so I do the rando, and that's kind of, like, me doing – just sitting in front of a camera and riffing most of the time. Um, but I've even put, like, a dance video on there just to see if people are into that. I um, – but, yeah, really, the rando is just about me sitting in front of the camera and riffing. Um, and – there's like a lot. I've seen a lot of really good stuff come out of the rando. Um, 
And then I started moving to, well, I wonder if people, people watch me on TV. I wonder if they want to see my, like, day-to-day. I wonder if they want to see my, like, my, like, real-world life. And um, so then I started creating, like, a little mini-series called Bug Life. And Bug Life is, it's really just, like, a vlog. It's really, like, me running around with a camera and, like, living my day-to-day. Like, you know, there's an episode where I get covered in body paint, and people were really into that. wonder mm-hmm. why. Um, <laughs> and there's, like, you know, like, other times where it's just, like, me going to Dolores Park every single day of a weekend and just getting drunk and having a really good time. And, um, yeah, that life has been really fun because I think people are used to me being in their living rooms and then having, like, access to my day-to-day and wanting to know what I'm doing at every moment as every day. And so um, Bug Life gives them that access. And so Bug Life has been doing really well as well. Um, but I've tried other things, too. Like, I've tried I, – I was going to start this, like, thing called The Scene because I thought people wanted to see, like, lesbian parties. I thought it would be really good for SEO, to be honest. And, um, yeah, and it, I, I actually it, it didn't do as well as I hoped it would. Um, but I think it, you need that kind of experimentation on YouTube because, especially when you do the Jesus Savior Wheel approach, <laughs> you need to experiment on YouTube because, like, you really won't know unless you kind of put it out there. Like, if I if I did it the other way and I was like, yo, this is who I am, this is the kind of content I create, and this is my audience, I that gives me direction and that, you know, kind of makes it really easy for me to create content and see what works, but that's not the approach that I'm taking right now, and that's not what feels right. Um, what feels right is just kind of like trying a whole bunch of stuff and then seeing what gets the most views and what gets the most shares, and um, then just going from there. Like right now, I'm actually, there's been a lot of talk, even on this podcast, there's been a lot of talk about the things that I wear um, on Instagram, on Twitter. And so now I'm going to start experimenting with more style videos, and we'll see how that goes. And hopefully it does well, because I think that that'd be really fun content to do, and I geek out on it. Um, but really, I do it for the Misfits. Whatever the Misfits want, they will get from me. Um, someone asked me to do a story about the first time I got rejected, so as embarrassing as that sounds, I will do it, and I will put it online for the entire world to laugh at me. So, <laughs> there's that. I, love I have to say that I love the uh, wallpaper or bed sheet from your childhood <laughs> or whatever is hanging in the back of the rando. I love it, whatever it is. Well, part of that, <laughs> part of the reason why I have your grandmother's favorite floral background. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Thank you. I was wondering. That's exactly what it is. I um, I remember actually going to the fabric store and like right before I bought like the lighting equipment with this funny update and I and I bought um and I went to the fabric store to buy this like weird I like I knew I wanted it to be floral but I had no idea what it was gonna look like. I go into this really weird like fabric store close to my house and um I'm just looking around and I see it and it's in the back and I'm like it's that right there. That like white and pink strange gold situation is definitely what I'll be having as the background of my YouTube videos. And then I'm going to talk about my sub life with that. (laughs) So you actually went to the store and bought this fabric. I cannot believe I really thought it was in the back of a car somewhere and you found it randomly. Okay. Okay. I paid real money. I paid cold, hard cash for that background. And it hangs in all of my videos proudly. 
I love it. I, I mean, there's I a lesson in this, it. actually. There's a lesson, Brandy Nation. If you have $4.32, then you can get a background and put it up. Um, but, but no, in all seriousness, I mean, I love how you, you continue to just do things. You, you know, you have an idea, you make a video. You see how it does, and then you do another yeah. video like it. Um, and it, it totally fits into your brand and everything. So for, for Brand New Nation listeners who are in the very beginning stages, um, they are maybe hitting that epiphany moment where they're like, I need to start building my personal brand. What steps would you advise them to take to do that? Yeah, that's a um, great question. I think that it goes back to um, – Figuring out which approach works well, like, again, like, it took me trying to narrow things down and then realizing that I wasn't very I, – I didn't fit into, like, easy, clear, just, like, very definitive boxes. Um, it took me realizing that to, like, move and take this, like, Jesus take the wheel approach. And, and, I mean, and basically really doing more experimentation and trying things and seeing what works and then, like, doing more of that. Um, so I think first – if if you are really starting at the very beginning stages of figuring out like who what your personal brand is and where you want to go and how you want to leverage that to really make money from it, which I think is like the end goal here is like how can I make money and profit from creating um, a, this a personality that's very clear online. Um, so I think the first the first thing is figuring out whether you want to niche down and, and really be definitive about like who you are or you want to like do this like trial and error Jesus take your will approach. Um, and I think the people that do quickly and easily fit into like key boxes and, and feel comfortable in those boxes, um, I, I say that's awesome because it, it's it like I said it's a lot easier to just like wake up in the morning and say like this is who I create content for. Um, like I create content for rich stay-at-home moms and who are interested in, you know, starting their own yoga studios. Like that's awesome because you have a very like clear, profitable niche, and you can go and create content around just that that community, and it's it's easy. Um, but unfortunately, like as a person who's comfortable myself, and <laughs> you know, even if I don't. Yeah, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> as that person, I I don't fit into a lot of boxes, and um, that's a part of my brand. And so um, I, I think after once you've kind of figured out like the approach that you want to take, my my advice will always be try, try, try. Like I love I love creating like quick little experiments and putting it out there. And um, just just seeing the results and the things that work, you do more of that. Like if you if you decide that you want to niche down and you are going to create, you know, uh, like how to videos for stay at home moms to start their own yoga studios, then like see which kinds of videos are going to work. Like create a variety of videos, put them all up, and then see which ones are working. And then once you see the ones that are working, start creating, like, okay, what kind of marketing works for me? Like, I think everything that I do is always grounded in experimentation and just trying a lot of stuff and doing it as quickly as possible. And I mean, this is, like, startup education, too. Like, doing it as quickly as possible so that way I can actually, like, scale it. And, um, you know, bring on outsourcers to help me with it and, you know, 
just do it faster and make money out of it as quickly as possible. So, yeah, I just did, I guess, in, in summary, my advice for those who are just getting started with a personal brand is first decide which approach you want to take. Do you want to just, you know, define outright the, your audience and the kind of content that you're going to create for them? Or do you want to just, like, try and experiment outright? And then once you've done that, you need to experiment anyway. You need to, like, create a lot of different kinds of content. You need to create, decide, like, do I should, would I prefer to do video? Would I prefer to be on camera? Or do I want to do a blog? Or do I want to do, you know, like, what, what channels are you planning on using? Um, all of that is ripe and open for experimentation. And I think that, like, really, at the end of it, if you want to create your own personal brand, you just need to get out there and try a whole bunch of stuff and see what sticks. Mm. Yes, that's great advice. Try. Don't be afraid to fail. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, earlier when you talked about the steps that you took to sort of develop your personal brand, you mentioned that you would look online and see other people who, you know, had really solid brands, and you wanted to see, you know, what made them cool, what you could sort of steal from them. So what I'm wondering is, is there somebody out there that has a personal brand that you find intriguing or fascinating? Why, yes, of course. Um, yeah, I, I would love to. I'd say when it comes to just all around, like, you know, just being awesome, I think everybody's talking about him and everybody will be talking about him. I think Pharrell is an amazing, an amazing person to watch when it comes to creatively, creatively building a brand around both the work that you do and then just, like, being the person that you are. Because um, it's like he does – he works a lot. He has so many projects going at all times. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's fascinating because, it's like, you know, it's really at the core of it. There's Like, you can see that it's about music. Like, he can go and design couches – but it still comes down to, like, him being a producer and him, like, everything comes down to, like, music for him. And mm-hmm. I, I think that it's so telling of personal branding because it's just, like, he found his platform and then he used it to get open to a variety of other opportunities and to do a variety of things. Like, music, to, like, he is a producer, so he designs music, and so his design ability makes its way into everything, into creating I Am Other, into creating, yeah. like I said, designing furniture. Like, he he designs feelings, he designs emotions within music, and all of that makes its way into the work that he does. So, I, I, as a personal brand and as a human being, I think he is freaking fascinating. Um, so that's Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to think like there there are a lot of other like smaller creators that I I just love like you look at somebody like especially as I move more on to doing uh, doing more work on YouTube I love what Issa Rae has done in terms of her personal brand as well as into what she's doing with her channel. Um, okay. I think it's yeah. awesome that like she in many ways is now like next generation like good DT <laughs> like yes like, like her. Yeah, like, her channel's awesome. Like, you can go and watch, like, really good um, content that's geared towards African Americans, and it's, like, it's solid. And it's all under her channel, and so it's, like, really, like, Issa Rae is, 
you know, a, a media mogul of sorts of next generation content geared towards African Americans. And that's, it's very telling when you go to her channel. So, yeah. Yeah. And they're connected. That's I mean, all, I, I, like, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, she's said, a oh, really I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. She's a, re- yeah, she's a really good one too, because, um, I remember when she's, she has this dichotomy of like the hood stuff, you know, so she'll mm-hmm. do, she'll do the, you know, the ratchet song, but then she'll decode the ratchet songs. So then she has like the intelligence, um, and like this, so it's like this new breed of intelligent humor, um, that I really yeah. enjoy, like targeted at African Americans. Um, yeah, so she's, ratchet she's a really theater? Cool I one. love it. Yes. Oh my oh. god, ratchet piece theater is genius. Oh my god, yeah. yes. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that? And like, this is true in Awkward Black Girl. Is she like, she was saying, yes, you know what? I listen to this shit. I listen to this music too. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that I am any less educated. And let me explain yes. it and break it down for you. It's like, she made me feel good about my ratchetry, which is awesome. Right. I love that right. I feel good about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, she's a, she's a really awesome, super, super smart person. And I just love what she's doing on YouTube. Yes, love, love her. And I think one thing, I mean, just to go back to Pharrell, I don't think we can talk about Pharrell anymore if we oh, – we, we have to talk about the hat. So, yeah. Pharrell – I mean, we, you can't not talk about Pharrell and not talk about the hat. So, what do you, what do you think about the hat? Because now I can't really envision Pharrell without it. <laughs> and I think it's become a part of his brand. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. I never thought about that. I mean, I think it's funny because it's like – he, like, I, I think he stumbled into an awesome media opportunity. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't expecting to get that much of a, like, <laughs> crazy response really? to his mm-hmm. head here. Like, I'm sure he didn't put that on, like, yo, they're going to love this. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But no, I mean, all the memes that came out of that, I'm pretty sure he wasn't sitting there like, yeah, this hat is about to be on everything in two weeks. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's not what happened, but it did. And I think what he did well is he, like, he played with it. Like, he wasn't just, like, he, he obviously didn't, like, feel some, like, type of negative way about it. Like, he had fun with it. And I think that that just, like, fueled into him as, um, you know, a good person, like, a, someone who's fun, someone you want to, like, hang out with but also, like, him as, like, a leader in fashion. And, like, I think he, he it's, it's an awesome kind of, like, move for him because he is doing a lot more designing. And to be, mm-hmm. like, the one person that everybody's talking about when it comes to fashion is really, really important. And, like, to take that kind of a risk, too, to, like, have, like and to basically for people to make fun of your fashion decisions, I think, oh, actually, I think he did a really good job of isolating people. Are polarizing people. Like, I think he did a really good job mm. of polarizing people. And that's so key in personal branding. Like, Kanye exists. Kanye and the power of whatever Kanye and Yeezy is right now, he exists because people hate him with a passion and mm. people love him with a passion. Mm-hmm. And I think Pharrell's hat decision helped polarize people within the fashion community, which made them think and talk about him. And now that's why he's designing so much. That's why he's such a fashion figure, because he polarized people. And I think that's a really key lesson when it comes to to personal branding. Thank you guys for listening to part two. Unfortunately, our last 45 seconds of saying goodbyes and thank yous were cut off, but we're so glad you were able to hear exactly how Ari 
built her personal brand. You can head over to brandnewnation.com to find the show notes, which include any links and resources we mentioned in this episode. So we'll see you over at brandnewnation.com. Thank you for joining Danny and Chris for the Brand New Nation podcast. If today's episode helped you get brand new, then please take a moment and leave a review and share this with a friend. It's okay, we'll wait. And you'll find all of today's show notes and other goodies over at brandnewnation.com.